It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, welcome into a live edition of uh, the Patriot Nation podcast. Of course, is an instant reaction to the Patriots' loss to the Chiefs uh, on Sunday. Um at Gillette Stadium. Uh, of course, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Uh, go to fan, go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. Matt, it wasn't always pretty, um, but the Patriots, like, kind of competed. I guess really only in the first half, but they, like, kind of competed and made it close. It was, a, it was at least a semi-entertaining Patriots game. Yeah, when I was... Kind of, I think what you would expect, you know, when they when they were reasonably healthy to start the game, it was competitive and it was close, and you know, the Patriots right. had the lead for a stretch, and then once the wheels fell off, it got back to the Patriots. We've kind of known all year long, but defense was good enough and resilient in there and gave you a chance to win it. And we knew the offense probably wasn't going to be good enough unless the defense pushed to some some crazy degree. And you know, credit, I thought the Chiefs, the Chiefs were really good in the red zone today in a way that they haven't necessarily been this season. I think Andy Reid brought out some stuff to cash in some of those scoring opportunities because they knew yeah. they'd need the fancy stuff to score against this defense, and it worked, and the Patriots weren't ready for it. And, um, yeah, and then it all... Thing. That was awesome. And, it, yeah, who had who had Jarek McKinnon first passing touchdown of the game? If you had that wow. as a prop, you win. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think... It was it all it all kind of swung in the middle eight, which is where the Patriots have struggled this year. You yep. forced a fumble; it doesn't count. We can talk about the officiating. That's not that didn't determine the outcome, but right. you know, not good. But the Chiefs kick, I think, a field goal on that drive, and then I think you're right, yeah. And they get the touchdown drive coming out of the half, and then you immediately get the pick, and that's. All right, you know, you you had a chance and you blew it, but even having a chance in this one through 30 minutes, I think you feel good about at least some of the pieces on the team. Right, right. So, by the way, uh, sorry we're a little bit late. We got some technical difficulties. Um, and so we got started a little bit late. But, look, I mean, the, the hard thing for me is that the defense, and old man mom says it, like, if they had a middle-of-the-pack offense, and we talked about this before the season, we projected them to win 10 or 11 games, and we did that because we thought if you get the offense to number 15 in the league, you'd be a playoff team, right? I mean, like, they would be a playoff team if they could be, if they were number the number 15 offense in the league. And you saw what Billy Zappi did last year, last week, right? Now, he only did, he only played well in the first half, but it was enough. I put well in the first half again this week. It was not enough, right? And so... Um, I mean that pass, my God! If it wasn't for the Mac Jones interception in in uh, in Germany, that'd be in the running for the worst pass of the season. I mean that's just like the, the, I don't know what you're doing. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And it's there's something really funny in here too about the fact that Bailey Zappi gets bailed out by his wide receivers in a way that Mac Jones never does either. Right. That yeah. That jump ball to Devontae oh, Parker. That was. That was the, like that. That was no, no. We have T. Higgins at home. That's what right. that play was. Yep. Um, 
And it was just the the worst version of that play. But it was also just like like he just wouldn't do that for Mac Jones. <laughs> like that doesn't it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and even you know that fourth down touchdown pass to Hunter Henry, the throw kind of missed. There was just a right. big enough window that you could miss and still get it in there. And Henry made a nice adjustment to it. Yeah, but I thought that was I, think we, I thought that was bad. And I I guess I got to look at it again. I thought Willie Gay made a bad play. I thought he stopped and jumped instead of continuing to run. I thought he had an opportunity yeah. to either pick it off or at least knock yeah. it away. And he just misplayed it, yeah. in my opinion. Now, I I could be wrong about that, but that's what I that's what I thought. No, I agree with that. And I think there's with Zappy, it's he's a good enough quarterback that for a drive or two drives or three drives or maybe four drives, right. you know, you're not going to see the bad plays, and you know the the mistakes will yeah. be close enough that you can work with it. Uh, right. But the rest of it is just not. It's not you know NFL starting caliber material, and I think we knew that, and it's you know. Zappy's out there trying his hardest and he's working right. and I think we've seen improvements from him, but he doesn't, he really does not have the accuracy that it takes. And yeah. maybe the decision-making gets there uh, with more experience, but it just isn't there right now. Look, I think, I think we, you've seen, and I, I have seen enough from him to think that he's deserved the spot as the backup quarterback for the Patriots next year. That's what I believe. I think he's deserved, he's earned that spot. He's certainly not a starting quarterback in the NFL league. Um, yeah, I, and so I'm you know not, what I mean in the NFL league. In the, in the league. I'd say he's, I'd say he's at least earned like to be in the competition for the backup yeah, spot right, too. Right, because the only the other thing to is be I think here, you know I guess what yeah, and, and you look at where the Patriots are, and if we assume that they're going to have a top three pick here, you look at the quarterback situation. There's no way they're coming out of this draft with a quarterback, and they're coming out of this first round with a quarterback. If this the next three games goes the way we expect it to, then in some ways the draft starts at pick like 35 for the Patriots. There's just no way they're not going to take a quarterback with how the quarterback situation looks if one right. of these guys is there. There's just yeah. no way that happens. Um, and if that's the case, then it might be all right. We're going to bring in a veteran because we want a mentor for the quarterback. And if that's the way you want to go, then Zappy might not stick around. But in that case, you can ship them off, and I don't know. You probably get like a sixth round pick back for him or something. It's not yeah. going to be something crazy, but some team will send you something, or you get a pick swap well, out of it. Like again, you send he's a, back, sixth, he's they a send backup you a quarterback, right? He's a backup quarterback. It's it's one of those situations where like to have a guy that can step in and play okay for short periods of time. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's kind of a similar guy. Brissett is a better quarterback, but like who played Jacoby Brissett well a, today for a while. But again, it's one of those things where like he steps in as the backup and plays well. If he starts the game, does he play that well when he's in there? Probably not, right? But like he can step in and play and play well. And so that's that's the question, I think, is can Zappy be that type of guy? And I think he can be. It's just again, we're talking about a backup. You know what I mean? Uh yeah. so um, you know, it's just it is what it is. And, and ultimately, I think what's happened is that Mac Jones, the, the team has lost faith in Mac Jones. Clearly Mac Jones has lost faith in Mac Jones. The Patriots want the Patriots were just awful. God awful under Mac. And at least it's watchable with Zappy, right? It looks like a functional offense. Now it you know, it's still not great, but it looks like at least a, a, a semi functional offense with Zappy out there. And yeah. and it just it wasn't yeah. that with Mac out there. Because there's poise and there's timing and he Zappy hasn't been beaten in this ambition the way that Mac right. has been. Right. Um, 
And, you know, I'll, I'll give credit to Mac in this regard from all the reports, like from warmups and stuff. He's very engaged with his teammates and he's loose and he's helping guys and he's doing his job as a backup now. And you know, yeah. credit to him for that. He's a former first round pick and a guy who has had a lot of a lot of this deck stacked against him here in his job trying to be quarterback. Be very easy for him to shut it down and say, I don't want to be a part of this. And I don't think anybody would blame him. So the fact that he is staying around and being a good teammate, um, you know, credit to him for that. And he'll, yeah, he'll last in this league as a backup, probably because of that, because I think with a fresh start, some of the timing and mental stuff will end up being a little bit better for him. Uh, he'll probably never be a starting quarterback, but I think he's another guy who can bounce around the league and end up yeah. as a, a backup or a third string or be on a practice squad. Like if Nathan Peterman, in the league as long well, as that was. Thing. Is he still yeah. in the league? I think so. Um, Pretty sure he is. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy so crazy. if he was in the league, Mac will stay in the league. Um well it just depends on but, it's all yeah. about mindset. Right. It's all about mindset, who you are, how you how you approach how do you approach the game? Right. How do you approach practice? What kind of guy are you in the locker room? Right. Do do coaches like you? Do players like you? Right. And and are you you a reliable guy? And are you not going to be, frankly, are you not going to be, you know, you're not going to have the guy looking over his shoulder. Right. And so uh, I think that Matt kind of checks all those boxes. Right. Where he's like, he seems like a good guy in the locker room. The players seem to like him. He works hard by all accounts. He's not that good, so you got to feel like you're not you're not in danger of getting passed by a guy like Mac Jones, right? No one's clamoring yeah. saying, "Oh my God, we had that Mac Jones out there starting." It's no one's doing that, you know. Well, and this is kind of the issue with keeping Zappy around is that there are probably still some people who are Zappy truthers around who are who, if this team drafts a quarterback, yep. they're going to start the Zappy chance. Uh, maybe not after the way the last couple of weeks have gone. Not the chance, know. but they'll uh, but they'll but say he didn't get a fair shake he and he never got never got enough time and, and you know didn't get. And, and it's also it's clear from the way Zappy talks too that he still thinks I got a shot at being a starting quarterback in this league and. Uh, again, great to him for funny. having that mentality. It's the yep. way you got to have it. But if that's yeah. if he's a third-year quarterback who started at the end of this season, who's going to have that mentality, and you're bringing in the number two overall pick to compete with him, I just don't know how well that works in the locker room. And I'm not saying it would be a problem. I'm just saying this is these are the things you have to think about in building it out for next year. And uh, right. Well, like I think I've, you, I think I, you sit him down I, and have, a, have an honest conversation. Look, buddy. And I think matter. he would, if you know, if they, if he looks at his performance, he's going to know it's. I mean, he knows already. You look at the press conferences; he knows it's not good enough. Right. And you know, they're they're drafting somebody at number two, and he's going to know. So maybe that'll work out. But also, you know, it, it it doesn't mean you have to get rid of him. But just because they get rid of him doesn't mean he's bad. It might be one of those where he needs a new spot, and Patriots can get an asset back, and you completely reset the room, and you have. You know, Drake May and Joe Flacco or <laughs> whatever veteran quarterback you want to throw right. out there yeah. as as the backup. Yeah, you know, I I, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, so and so there's a few comments that I want to just touch on um, about what the heck was the one. So John was saying the more I watch, the more I think we need an offensive tackle or two. I don't. I don't believe that. And I know I talked to, I met Murph today. Murph and Butchie were at the game today. So I met them both, which was cool. Uh, <laughs> Shout out Murph. Wants Joe that guy. He wants Joe Alt. He wants the Patriots to take Joe Alt in the first round. He wants them to trade down and take Joe Alt. And I get it. Joe Alt's a really good player and, you know, could be a franchise left tackle. But like, you don't have a quarterback. So like, if you draft a tackle in the first round, 
I just don't know. I don't know what you like. What do you now? Then what do you do? Right. That's yeah. That's the hard part for me. If you draft a tackle in the first round, listen, they need a tackle. I do think Trent Brown needs to go. Um, I think that Mike Onwenu should stay. And you know, now Cole Strange of course got hurt again today, which sucks. But like, you know, I, I think that it, it's one of those situations. I look at it and say, all right, they need a tackle for sure. I don't want them to draft one in the top of the first round. I want them to to sign one. That's what I want them to do. Um, and so it that's it's tough, man. That's that's the hard thing for me. Is I, I I understand it. I know they need a new left tackle. Maybe they need a new right tackle too. But I think on when it was good enough at right tackle, I do. Um, yeah. And you know, and I I just I don't know, man. I I just think that I want that top five pick to be a quarterback. Right. Or to be Marvin Harrison Jr. And then you draft a quarterback, whatever, you know. Yeah, it's tough because it's offensive tackle. I think long term is clearly a need. But also when healthy, they have a starting five on this offensive line that is probably league average in the NFL. And that's good enough to put a a rookie quarterback behind. Uh, Guys have been behind much worse lines than that. Uh, and and succeeded and honestly it might be a better line than what Drake May has had at UNC at points right. this season. Um, or you know, Caleb Williams at USC. Both of those guys have dealt with a lot of pressure. Um, yes, but that's I I just I feel like you have to bring back Trent Brown and on Wenu because they're like two, the two of the top three options. I think if you're not getting Trent Brown, you're going to get somebody who's probably worse uh, for as inconsistent as Trent Brown is and. I think the tough part about today is you lose Cole Strange. And what have I been harping on for a month now, Pat, that the back half of the season was huge for Cole Strange for figuring out what you have going forward. And now right. the way that went today, that kind of feels like he's done for the season, especially with three like games it, left. Yeah. And if that's how it is, uh, I think we all think here, regardless of what happens with Bill, there's going to be, somebody new in this offensive coaching staff and somebody new in the front office evaluating things. And we don't know what they're going to think of Cole Strange in the guard position. I'd, obviously, I don't think that is the biggest need because I think you could bring back this line on paper for next season, knowing that it's a Band-Aid and you're, you're, just push, you're kicking the can down the road because you can only address so many things at a time. But you might still need – you might go into the 2025 draft knowing, hey, we need – a left tackle and a left guard here. And right. you saw today too. It was just really bad luck. You lose Cole Strange. Trent Brown can't go. He's been trying to play through injury for like a month now and trying and can't get it. It was inactive today. And then Connor yeah. McDermott goes down and you're at left tackle three and left guard two against a very, very good defensive line when you're already undermanned on offense. And that also felt like the point where things started to turn for the offense. Once the offensive line had two, I mean, it's, it's a chain with two weak links, and you're just not going to hold up. But, you know, I thought Mafi played pretty well. I thought he really – I thought he did. And, of course, then, you know, better than uh, yeah. McDermott goes down, and you got Vidarian Lowe in there, which is like, you got to be kidding me, right? And so – You basically end the game. <laughs> right. But you know what, though? I, I just feel like – I feel like what you saw in the first half was Zappy be decisive, get rid of the ball, get to the bottom of his drop, that put that back foot in the ground, and bang, ball was out. Right. And then in the second half, I think what you saw was him holding the ball and waiting to make now maybe they maybe they played it better, maybe the scheme was better. I don't know, but it seemed like it took a lot longer for him to get the ball out in the second half. And I think that obviously, obviously the, the offensive line didn't help, 
But I think that's a big part of why he took so many sacks at the end of the at the end of the game because mm-hmm. he's holding on to the ball, right? And, and again, I, maybe that has more to do with with the with the uh, with the Chiefs than do with the Patriots. But like that seems like a situation where it wasn't all on the offensive line there. It it looked like the the Chiefs made an adjustment and started bringing all the corner blitzes because they realized the ball is coming out fast. Basically, all of these throws are underneath and you're asking Zappi to make one read and throw it and that's it I think the Chiefs realized we can we know everything is going to be short and quick so we can just play man aggressively across the board because we don't have to defend any deep shots and we can bring an extra blitzer and once we cover up Zappi's first read by the time he resets the free rusher the corner has gotten there and has gotten that pressure and I think I think there was a lot of that in the second half as well which that's the thing. Like we, when you talk about what a good offense is, we don't we don't really define what good means other than like statistical production. But in terms of something like this, you know, being good in the NFL means being able to do a variety of things well, being able to attack defenses in different ways. If you think about it like a very complicated game of rock paper scissors. The more answers you can have for what the other team's going to throw at you the more often you're going to be successful, the better your production is going to be, and you're going to be a good offense. And I think what you saw in the first half is that with these players and this offensive line and this quarterback, they can be good at distributing the ball underneath, using that to open up some intermediate shots and some things in the running game and being able to do that over and over. And you saw that once the defense adjusted and said, we're going to do everything we can to take that away, there wasn't something else they could turn to. You know, Especially with the offensive line out, you can't go to the running game. You don't have a quarterback you trust deep. You don't have receivers you trust deep. So you can't try to burn it with shots over the top. And uh, you can't, you couldn't protect long enough to get to some other stuff. Um, I've also noticed like there's, this has been a consistent thing since Mac came in. One of the ways that you protect a quarterback when you don't have a good offensive line is you roll them out and you do play action and things like that. They don't really roll out Zap or Mac Jones. And that makes me think those guys aren't good or aren't trustworthy in those situations. They're not. Um, and play action's tough, because if you're down by 10 points in the second half, who cares about play action? Defense right. isn't biting on that. Nobody's. Yeah. If you run the ball and pick up five yards, who cares? They just want to make sure you don't, they don't get beat over the top. So um, you lose some of the tools that you have to actually beat a defense like that. And that's where... I, I honestly thought a lot of the sacks in the second half were a receiver problem. The fact that you didn't have guys who could be an X factor there. And, you know, no Kendrick Bourne, who's done for the season. No Juju Smith-Schuster, who I talked about after the Pittsburgh game. I thought that was the healthiest he looked all season. What happened? No <laughs> I idea. I was out. Yeah. No, absolutely no idea. It's crazy. Yeah. And Devonta yeah. Parker is back and had, you know, probably his best game of the season, second best game of the season, but also... That felt concentrated in like two or three drives, which is how it usually is with him. He's like, yeah. he's going to make a couple plays here and there. And then, you know, outside of a couple isolated things, he's not going to consistently open things up or create space. Right, right. So, yeah, it's a mess. The offense is a mess. The, here's what I'll say about, about the Patriots, though. Their defense, as bad as the offense has been, the defense has been good. And not not only has the defense been good, right, it's the fact that you're getting these players that all of a sudden look like legitimately good players. Mac Wilson's had, I don't know what the hell Mac Wilson ate this year, but my God, he looks like a completely different player. 
like a completely yeah. different player. And so he looks awesome. Christian Barmore is incredible. He's been he's phenomenal. So and, you know, and he was, he's been good after get, getting after the passer, which is really solid. He's been really good against the run, like really good against the run. Um, and so I was really happy. I thought he played fantastic today. He had a sack. I think he actually had two half sacks is what I think he had. But sounds right. nevertheless, um, you know, he he had a full sack. He had, I think, six tackles, something like that. He played great. Anthony Jennings is turning into, like, a legitimately, like, really good run defender. Like, I feel like every time is a play for, like, no gain or a loss, Anthony Jennings is the guy making that play, right? I just, like, he's yeah, in the backfield all the time. And he's not a great pass rusher, but that's okay. Like, I don't mind that he's not a great pass rusher because he's so good against the run. I'm willing to I'm willing to do that. And so, um, you know, and you have guys like that, and you're looking at these, and Keon White looks like he can play. And, and so, and Marjorie Mapu today, I just, like, I have been so loud about Mapu playing linebacker, and, like, that's, like, the third snap all year I've seen him play linebacker. And he, not only did he intercept the pass, he ripped that ball away from, I don't even know that who was, the hell the guy was. Was it Noah Blake Gray? Bell, I think. Oh, Blake Bell. Noah Gray, one of he them, yeah. ripped that ball out of his hands. That was awesome. Like, that's, that was, that's what you got to do, man. It wasn't the same, but there was shades of, like, Teddy Bruschi on, was that Dominic Rhodes back, yes. back in the, the playoffs? And yeah. you know, it wasn't yeah. quite as iconic as that. It wasn't, you know, but it was, but it was good. I lost a 3-11 uh, record. But, um, yeah. yeah, when I think, if there's one thing I take away from the Mapu thing too, because he did that and then he get burnt, he gets burnt later in the game for a touchdown. And I see that my reaction is he needs to be playing linebacker more. Yep. Because you know, the ability is there, you just need the instincts to get to the NFL level, and you're only gonna do that by being out there. And it's honestly, it's kind of tough because like Mapu, I think, will be a really good player eventually. It's you know, he plays two positions where it's usually a, a tough transition to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um but there are also positions where the Patriots are loaded. Who saw Mac Wilson becoming this good of an asset? Jelani Tavai becoming one of the better linebackers in the NFL is the way he's yeah, played this year. Yeah. Uh, Jawan Bentley being as good as he is. And you got all the stand-up outside linebackers. And then you got Duggar and Peppers patrol in the secondary. And like we haven't mentioned Adrian Phillips in here who feels like he's kind of fallen by the wayside this season, but who's also a productive and useful player back there. And, uh, Mapu's another guy in a, a group within embarrassment of riches out there. Yeah. Which, you know, I think in some ways does make you question the draft pick when you have that much talent at those spots and the the way you want to handle but you didn't it going know forward. You had that much talent there, though. I, I mean, especially at linebacker. You looked at Mac. I looked at Mac Wilson going this year thinking, this guy can't play. And, you know, J- Jelani Devai is a good player, but he's only a run defender. And, you know, Jawan Bentley's pass coverage got better last year, but he's still not really that good Tavai's, right Tavai has become actually one of the better at least per pff which i know there's you know, right. we can talk about how he's trustworthy nice they are job. he's become one of the he's better really pass nice. defenders as a yeah. linebacker which i yeah. that is just like you never would have seen that coming from him when i i Every think this years. is this is one of the things too that's kind of frustrating is that in some ways their like team building approach to um linebacker isn't that far off from like their team building approach for a wide receiver the reality is but at linebacker you get a bunch of these guys who end up being really good players and at wide receiver they're all not great and that's all crappy, you know, the luck right? some of it's the luck and some of it i think is is absolutely the coaching so um yeah i'm, I'm assuming 
by the way, we're talking about linebacker and coaching. I'm assuming you saw the, the headline that Greg Bedard ran earlier today Ugh, about just, Gerard Mayo. I'm not going to think sometimes it, do, man. it doesn't deserve attention, but the, the report was something along the lines of people inside the building, not liking Gerard Mayo, which, um, yeah, I'm not going to trust that for one second. But if, you know, he coaches the linebackers and if he's able to develop people the way he's been able to develop those guys as a head coach, then I like it. And, you well, know, I, I think when you, you see the yeah. team culture, like it's if, if we're saying Mayo is the next guy and you look at the team culture right now and the buy-in and the effort and the defensive scheming, I'm at least I'm going to feel... Uh, I, I'll feel good about that higher if that's the direction they go in. Yeah. I mean, the hard thing for me is that like, you know, and then immediately people come out and talk about because Boston's racist and that's why they're, and I'm like, no, that's not, that's not why, <laughs> that's not why that report came out. Right. I think that report came out because attention. it's coming from, well, yes, but it's also, you know, might be coming from someone who's loyal to Bill and, wants to kind of throw some water on some cold water on the take that, you know, Mayo is the next guy and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Right. And I, I might or, be wrong. Or, that, or maybe Mayo has a little bit of a bigger head now that he thinks he's the next guy and yeah. somebody in the building doesn't like that. And it doesn't right. mean, doesn't, just takes doesn't one say guy. anything about just takes his, one guy yeah. to say something. And that's, you know, so, and there's no way no one said anything about that. No one's, you know, and it's like, you know, what's his face? Uh, Breer was like, well, people don't like how, like, you know, they they do like the uh the things and he goes over the film and then he like chews out the defense let's choose out the offense and like the defense playing really well and it's like bro we think he's just gonna let the defense slide like they don't make like they just they, all their players are great like no dude that's not how it works like what are we talking about like it's just yeah that's the stuff that i'm like all right you're making stuff you're making crap up you know yeah well and it's you know, you got 32 different teams in the NFL, and they're not all a well, great then. comment from Dark Blue Gold. Yeah, it's it's more than a Oli Kai. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got 32 different team cultures and guys who work different ways. And I'm sure the way Mayo works isn't perfect for every single player in the defensive staff there. And that's right. that's fine. Like, that's the way this works. Just because it doesn't work for every single person doesn't make it bad it means you get guys who are culture fits in some ways it's no different than a regular nine to five job in that respect you need people yep. who work well together and see eye to eye on a personality level and um you know i don't if it gets to the point where they can't get good players ever because nobody wants to come to new england then yeah but that's like urban meyer and that's the only guy i can think of in the nfl who's been that level yeah, I don't think Gerard I mean, Mayo is that guy. If you were, we'd have heard about it by now that he was kicking people. <laughs> yeah, correct. And Charles Green says, you know, he doesn't want a, a defensive head coach. And I don't necessarily blame him. But I just, I mean, look at the Texans. Right? Look at the Texans, right? You know, they have, uh, what's his name? Oh, for God's sakes. What the hell's his name? The linebacker. Um, D'Amico Ryans. Thank you. D'Amico, like blanked on his name for a second. They have D'Amico <laughs> Ryans as their head coach, right? He's a defensive coach. The key is you have to have an offense coordinator that knows what they're doing. You like part of the job as a head coach is to delegate. So you have to understand what's going on in the offense, but you also have to delegate those jobs to guys that know exactly what they're talking about. And so for me, I look at that and I say, well, that's got to be – you have to look at that and say that, you know, I'm delegating the offensive duties to this guy, 
And I'm going to take a step back and we're going to go from there. And that's going to be that. Right. And I think that that's okay. Now, I do also think that like, you know, you have to take an interest in the offense. You have to try to learn the offense. Bill Belichick was a defensive coach. He learned the offense over time and became a guy that could do everything. Right. And so, you know, and and so that's, so that's kind of the, that's, that's the thing for me. Right. And so, and again, I'm not going to get into, I'm not even going to, People are talking about Texans having a good GM. I'm not even going to get into the Nick Saban discussion about how from he took over the he took over that job in 2021. If you want to talk about the bad the bad drafts that went on from like 27, you know, from 2016 on here, okay, Nick Casario yeah. was the head guy here. Okay, I know that Bill uh, Belichick some, is the head guy here, but Nick Casario was here. Yeah. So like, let's, let's some, get sometimes there. it's there's a luck element there too. And then the other part, you know, with Houston, they drafted a quarterback who seems to be an out of the box superstar. Yeah. And you do that, and it fixes a lot for your team. Um, and, you know, the Patriots are, in theory at least, in position, or will be in position to do the same thing in April. And yeah. you know what? If you have a coordinator who is baseline competent and knows what he's doing, and a head coach who is baseline competent at getting his team prepared, and a quarterback who can do that, and a supporting staff that is NFL level, not what they have in Carolina, something better than that, then... Yeah. You, you have an opportunity for guys to succeed. Uh, you know, you look at the uh, Slowick, I think it's his name, the offensive coordinator there in Houston, is already rumored for head coaching interviews because of what he has done there this season. And yep. he was a relative unknown before that. So, um, yeah. And it's also, you go back and you look at, you know, grading head coaching hire articles from, you know, February or March or whatever of any year, and then go forward three seasons from then and see how those hires actually panned out and, and cross-reference the grades to the way the things actually happen. Right. The trendy hires are not always the way to go. And it's kind of a crapshoot when it comes to hiring coaches, in part also because it's yeah, your job as a coach is tied to the talent you have, which is tied to the drafts you have, which is also a little bit of a crapshoot in the way it comes out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think... Um, I, I'm not going to judge any hire they make here too, assuming they go in a different direction too harshly until we actually see what it looks like on the field and learn about the process and give it some time. Unless they, unless they come out and say, actually, Urban Meyer is the guy we want or something yeah. like that. Or, you know, yeah. what are their, their crafts? Like what's Bill Parcells up to these days? Can we bring him back? Like, unless they're doing something ridiculous like that, I'm going to, I'm going to, trust that Kraft generally knows what he's doing here and we'll go we'll go through it from there because these things take years but usually years before you know how good the hire is right yeah i agree so all right let's take a break because we haven't taken a break yet let's do that quick and then there are a few things i want to get to um on the other side and then we'll get out of here um all right here we go score early this nfl season with FanDuel, america's number one sports book Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. MA21 Plus and present in Mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pre-game money line wager required. First online real money wager only. 
$10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so there's a few things here, and, and you know, we'll get into Buffalo and how, you know, Buffalo, of course, won back-to-back games, you know, against two really good teams, um, blew out, absolutely blew out the uh, the Cowboys, who, by the way, really need home field advantage because they're going to be in some really tough – they're going to go in – you're telling me that team is going to go into Philadelphia in the winter and win? No chance. Well, they, oh, they play at Miami next weekend, I think, right? That's they a do. really – Really interesting, interesting game. game, but again, good weather, warm out, they'll be fine. I'm more worried about right. for them, you know, going into a cold weather game and winning. I don't see that happening. I so. also, I also think they went on the road against a team that is that was desperate, like back up against oh, yeah. the wall, desperate, yeah. and came out firing. And I don't know. I I still think the, I still think the Cowboys are probably a top five team in the NFL. The way things oh, have I, been, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. I just you know it's uh it's interesting. So. Um, all right, anyways, let's get the, the other thing I wanted to get into was was Bill Belichick. And my dad said this at the game, and I agree with him to an extent. He wants to see Belichick back. And what, what he was talking about was the team is is playing hard still. They haven't quit. They're not listen, they're not that good. Okay, it's not a ton of talent. But they're playing their asses off right now. The defense played really well against a really good Kansas City team, right? And so you, know, you talked about that end of that end of the uh, end of the first half. They give up that touchdown, then they kick a field goal to start the to start the second half on the first play from scrimmage, first offensive play. Zappy throws that terrible interception. And they end up scoring another touchdown, and and that touchdown they scored was an outrageous throw and catch by Mahomes to Ceh. Yeah. It was outrageous. You, so you just got to tip your cap. I mean, the way you defend that is by having your own guy who can do something like that. <laughs> right, and there's no way to stop that. I mean, that throw was out was, was incredible. Tavai had very good coverage on him, and Alaire made an unbelievable catch. It just it is what it is, right? And it's so a brilliant throw, too. Right, hundred percent, perfectly so, placed. But here's the thing, right? And, and Charles Green's been talking about this about how he doesn't how he doesn't trust Belichick with a top pick, and and I don't know, I don't know if I do or not. I'm not sure. What I can tell you is this. Bill Belichick's not giving up GM duties. He's not. And even if he does, there's too many guys in – there's too many guys – we've been listening to Bill Belichick for 20 years. He's been the guy for you know more than 20, 20 25 years. He's been the guy. Now he's going to step back and, be, and not be the GM. That's fine. But like – are you really going to listen to the other guy? Are you going to, you know, like for 25 years, we've known what we've been looking for. Now all of a sudden there's going to be a new guy. He's going to be the head coach still, but there's going to be a new GM. I, I just, I don't know how that's going to work yeah. from the same respect. If you trust that Belichick can make the right pick. And again, offensively his track record has been really bad <laughs> in the past 15 years offensively, but if you trust he can get the right guy in, I think he's shown he's a good enough coach to get you there. The players love him. The players obviously respect him. Um, 
And so, you know, I think it's a tough decision. I do think that they it is time to move on. I do think that. Um, but still, it's it's one of those things for me that I just um, it, it's it's a tough question, and I think there's no doubt that the Patriots, hundred percent, are still playing hard. They haven't quit. They haven't yeah. stopped. And so that's that's the thing for me that at least you can show yeah. that. Yeah, and I I agree with that method, like that reasoning. I think that's very fair. I also think um, when we talk about the draft. With Bill, I think there are a lot of very valid concerns there. Not among my concerns is what they would do with you know, the number two overall pick. Because you know, look at what Bill said after the game today. He was asked about why they didn't, why they weren't more aggressive later in this game, why they didn't go for it on fourth down. And his answer, part of his answer was essentially, Zappy isn't good enough, and we don't trust him. Right. And the last time they were in a position like that with a quarterback. What do they do? They go to the draft and they take the best quarterback on the board when he's there. If yep. you're at number two, I mean, it's however you feel about Drake May or Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams or anything like that. I think all three are unambiguously better prospects than Mac Jones was when he came out. And the guy who makes the football decisions for your team has identified that quarterback is a serious, you know, area of need for you. Yeah. I don't think, I think. Literally, I mean, you could put in anybody who knows anything about football as GM, and they're just going to take a quarterback with that pick of the Patriots at number two. If you're talking about pick 35, pick 70, whatever, or 60, whatever, and and what comes later in the draft, yeah, I think that's a fair concern with, you know, where they've missed on receivers in that area of the draft before and the fact that you're going to have to go get that. Um, But But again, it's you're, and you're not wrong, but. Can you draft the right guy? It's fine that you draft a quarterback number two overall. That's great. Number you, the number one guy on your board. Well, if the number one guy on your board is Mitch Trubisky, and Patrick Mahomes is on the board, and you draft Trubisky over Mahomes, that's that's a disaster, right? And I know people, and I don't know, I don't know if Drake May is a, is, is the next Mitch Trubisky, and I'm not saying that he is. And I know a lot of people love. I know I know a lot of people love Drake May, but. Man, I, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it worries me tough. that you, yeah. yes, you got to draft a quarterback, but you have to draft the right quarterback. If you draft the wrong quarterback, you screwed and you set yourself back five well, years. Well, and the, the problem with this whole thing is that if there was an easy way to draft the right quarterback, then, well, of course. you know, it would be, it'd be an easy thing. And that's, there's, there's no way to do it without a serious amount of risk. If you had to place bets on whether the guy the Patriots take at pick number two, who's a quarterback, will be, um, you know, a franchise quarterback, will be a guy who gets a second contract. It's probably a 50-50 bet. It's probably even money both sides there. Like, that's that's how this goes. Um, And getting it right is very, very important, but also... Um, in some ways, very simple. I think it's going to be the way the way I've seen this from most is that there's a consensus one and two and a consensus number three and then a little bit of a jumble after that. Right. And the Patriots are going to be in a position to draft somebody who's either consensus one or two. And I think you yeah. just you kind of have to stick in that tier. There is also a certain wisdom of the crowd there in that, um, you know, you trust that 
not only are not only do we think that these two guys are the two best, May and Williams, but also everybody else who watches them agrees that they're the two best. And if you if you fail doing that, then that means everybody has failed on this, and we're we're going by the book on it. Um, you know what? Trubisky was ahead of Mahomes on a lot of those boards, and sometimes you know, sometimes right. it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's also an interesting draft in that you know I've I have been on this podcast for a while, a little bit anti May pro Daniels, and one of the reasons I will scale that back a little bit is because now we're talking about Daniels with the number two overall pick this is a guy who started for five years in college and didn't break out until a year five may broke out the first year. He was a starter and has played two years at that level and is a red shirt sophomore in college. He's three or four years younger than Jaden Daniels is at this point. And they are, you know, in some ways, you know, may doesn't have a Heisman, but he has more sustained success in some ways than Daniels has. So I liked Daniels a lot as a guy who's you might take at 10 or, or 15 or whatever. Yeah. At number two, you know, May is risky. He's got issues, but he also has a crazy high ceiling and he's young enough that he still has room to grow. Daniels may have maxed out in some ways. I don't think May has. And um, I would have no issues with that. I think whoever, whoever your GM is going to be, whoever's making the call in April, is probably going to feel very similarly. The only way you're not doing this is if, you know, it's you're signing a veteran like Kirk Cousins and you think he can be it or if somebody hits the trade market. But, or Baker Mayfield. Uh, and, well, and the other thing, too, when we talk about the quarterback position, I it, we kind of haven't talked about it because it wasn't a very well substantiated report. But it did come out of New York last year from Craig Carton that Belichick had called about Aaron Rodgers about trading for him. Yeah. And that. I mean, that doesn't sound like a guy who was sold on Mac Jones. This sounds like a guy who was like, hey, I need to, I, I'm thinking about other quarterbacks and he's willing to go in other directions with quarterbacks. And he's clearly not happy with Bailey Zappi and clearly not happy with Mac Jones. And clearly knows that's a position that you need to upgrade. And, you know, it's a, whoever makes that call, it's going to be a, a both a, a hard but a, a simple decision. I think it'd be the same for anybody. Yeah, it's tough. And it's, you know, and look, it's not, it's not an easy decision and it's not, it's not easy to know who your guy is going to be, right? I don't know who the, who the guy is going to be, right? But man, you know, it, it's, it's, that's hard for me. And again, that's why these guys get paid the big bucks, right? And someone said, you know, that they're, they're rolling with MHJ and, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and maybe you like Michael Penix and maybe you can trade back into the first round to get Michael Penix. Maybe you can draft Michael Penix at the, at the top of the second round. You know, I don't know. Right. Um, but again, Michael Penix is the same issue that you have with Jane Daniels, where he's played, he's old, you know, he's an older player. And so, um, a lot of injuries there, too. you know, with a ton of injuries. And so I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying that he can't be good. It's just that's, I don't, I, I'm not sure. And so, do you get the, the, the overall consensus number one wide receiver? Like the, wide receiver that everyone knows is incredible. And and then you take a, a quarterback on the second round or you sign a quarterback. And I think Kirk Cousins is probably out because he had the he had the um Achilles. the Achilles. And to me that the Achilles happened too late where he you know I mean maybe he'll be ready for the start of the season, but I don't trust it'll be ready for the start of the season. And so um you know we'll see. We'll see. I just think yeah. that you know I think that yeah. it, it may not be the worst idea draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and go from there. Now, if Caleb Williams is available, if Drake May goes number one and Caleb Williams is there, I'm taking him. 
I don't care. Like you I don't care him. what people yeah. say. I'm taking him because he's the guy. Like, okay. Anyone that's listening to this podcast, watch Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. Holy shit. Holy shit. Patrick Mahomes does things that no one else on earth can do. When he's rolling to his left, it was a throw. I think it was Rasheed Rice in the middle of the field. And he just, he's rolling to his left, avoids pressure, rolls to his left, and is running to his left and just doesn't even stop running. He just like turns his body and just fires it 20 yards downfield to a wide open Rasheed Rice in the middle of the field. It's like, that's unfair. It's not even fair. Like, that's just like, yeah. it, you and know, that's, in it, the, throw to, yeah. the throw to the throw to CEH. I mean, again, again, he's rolling to his left off his off one foot as he's throwing, and he throws an absolutely perfect throw right over the linebacker. And again, guy makes a great catch, but like that throw is on the move. It's not like he's, you know, I'm, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. And, and no one else in this draft can do those things except for him. Well, and, and I think Drake May does show a little bit of, of that stuff. Not not nearly to the same level that Caleb Williams does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I also, I want to address uh, Team 617. Thank you for commenting. He brought up that, you know, somebody who had sustained success and the, uh, he was young with crazy upside is also Trey Lance. And, you know, a guy who didn't do he it didn't in have, a great conference. He did not have sustained success, though. He played for no, a year he, and a half. No, he, a year, he played for a year in one game. Um, right. But but also, you know, th- this also applies to Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, like I said, it's 50-50 if you get a good quarterback out of this. You can do all of the, the right things with the right process and draft the right quarterback and sur- surround him with the right guys. And sometimes it just, you know, doesn't work out. That's why this is so hard to do in the NFL. This is like the... This is the multi-million. How many? How many million dollars did Patrick Mahomes get? Was it a five hundred million dollar deal? Something like that. This is the yeah. the five hundred million dollar question right here? Is how you consistently find ways to draft quarterbacks. If there's an easy way to do it, we'd all be doing it. There's risk right. involved, and you're gonna have to gonna have to go out on a limb a little bit because you know even even with a guy like Trevor Lawrence, there is still a risk. Um, so yeah, you you do your due diligence and you make sure that everything is right off the field, and you're gonna have to take a leap of faith there. And regardless of who it is, I think that's where the Patriots are. I love the other offensive players. Like I hate passing on Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malik Neighbors or Joe Alt or Fashanu or anybody like that. But I just, if the Patriots had a decent quarterback, they'd be nearly a 500 team at this point with all the close games they've been in that have been in only because of quarterback play. Yeah. They would, they might be in with how bad the NFL has been this year. They might be in playoff contention if they had an actual decent quarterback and you can fix the rest later. By the way, what we're talking about like the receiver position and I'd mentioned leadership earlier. Yeah. The, the name I keep coming back to Pat, who I think might be a really good addition to this team next year. is a guy who is experienced and a guy who, he knows how to win, who has the Super Bowl, who's very accomplished in this league. Mike Evans. He's a guy who we think is going to hit free agency. And you know, a guy who played with Tom Brady. And you know, he knows how to do um, you know, everything you need to do to be a, a true professional winner in the NFL. And if you could get a, a guy like that with a rookie receiver, I like that idea a lot. And I think it's a good bridge solution to your next wide receiver stuff. Cause you want to have a good enough situation for a quarterback to come into knowing that in 
two, three, four years. It's not going to look like that. It is going to change over time, but it's a starting point. Yeah. I mean, I it's so funny because I've hated Evans forever, and, and mostly it's because of I he was on my fantasy team, and he always, like, I feel like he was up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. But my God, dude, like, he he just does it every year. He's good every year. He's consistently good. You know what you're going to get out of him. Now, he's not great. He's not great all the time, and, and part of it's because he's hurt and part of it, but, like, you know that he's a consistent player for you. You know he's going to be good. And so I, I would love it. I, I'd love to have him here. I don't think it's going to cost too, too much money to get him here. But, man, if you draft a QB at number two, you sign Mike Evans, and you draft a, a wide receiver in the third round, you and know. you bring back most of the guys who were important to this team's success. you bring back Douglas. You bring back Kendrick Bourne. You know, you bring back Juju, I think, and you know, you let that bum Devontae Parker walk, and and you know, I think all of a sudden your offense is looking pretty good, right? And you give your you give your guy a target, and I think you know, even if you want to draft an attack on the second round, you know, um, yeah, because I think that that's that's where it's headed, you know, yeah, and it gives you you know a guy who's super consistent, a guy who works hard, also like he's a big receiver with good hands and a big frame, and. Just in some ways, it's almost he's not a tight end, but he gives you that tight end security blanket for the the quarterback. And especially, you know, one of May's biggest issues right now is he's got a little bit of a spray on the ball. He's a little bit inaccurate at times. And you got a guy who can still turn an inaccurate pass and do a 12 yard completion for you. That helps build confidence. And you're hoping, you know, by year two, it gets a little bit better. Year three, it gets a little bit better. And you're able to build on stuff. So I like that. And, you know, T. Higgins falls into the same category. And I'd, I'd love for him to be here, too. I just think he's less likely to hit the market. And if he does, he's also going to be a lot more expensive. And I'm not afraid of shelling out money. But I also think Evans and H- Evans is probably better than Higgins still. It's close. And yeah. Obviously older. But, like, I'll take the, the cheaper player, the slightly cheaper player for now considering some of the other benefits you're going to get from them too. Right. I agree. And so that would be fun. It would be fun to see Mike Evans here, you know, Um, but, you know, but we'll see. So, and I think too, you know, it's going to be, and, and team 617 points out like free agency comes before the draft. And so you're able to figure out what you're going to do in the draft based on what you do in free agency. And I think for me that that's, that's kind of the idea, right? Like you have a hundred million dollars. You got to spend, you got to spend it, go out and spend your freaking money. And and you're probably, they're probably going to spend half of it. Just bringing back guys who are adding free agency. Right. And that's okay. Right. You, you sign, you know, you sign Kyle Duggar, you sign Mike on you sign, you know, probably I would say you give Christian Barmore an extension. I'd say you want to take care of that. Can't, you're going to have to, can't. Can you do the Barmore extension now? Oh, yeah, you can after this season, right? After the season, yes. After the season, because yeah. he'll be going into his final year. And then you have, you know, Matthew Judon, you're going to have to give a new contract to. Um, and so you have those guys that you're going to have to, you're going to have to pay, right? Fine, but that's okay. I think you have to keep those guys, you know? Um, yeah, and that's regardless of who the coach is of this team next year. You got good culture guys in this locker room who you're going to want to keep around. I think, yeah. you know, Barmore and Judon are going to be parts of that. That was who you right. want to lock up, keep intact. And, you know, Bentley is part of that. And I think that's another thing on offense. Who are your culture guys? I think we think Kendrick Bourne is one of them. Yep. I think we think Hunter Henry 
is one yeah. of them. David Andrews yeah. is one of them. I'm not worried yeah. about him leaving. It's worried about him retiring. And that's right. about it. Right. And this is another spot where having a guy like Mike Evans helps because he's an immediate culture guy in I, a way that I don't, I don't know if T. Higgins is. I'm not, it's not slight to T. Higgins. Uh, no, right, right. So, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. You know. Can we complain about the refs for a minute now that we're near the end of this? Didn't Let's change the outcome, but my Let's God, they were so bad today. Awful. And it's been – did you – okay, here's a question. Did you watch Lions-Broncos last night? Because this <clears> set me off. Uh, I watched most – I didn't watch all of it, but I did watch some of it. Did you see the sequence where the Broncos scored a touchdown on three straight plays and none of them counted? No. The Broncos <laughs> got down to the goal line, and it looked like the ball was across, but they called him down at like the inch mark live. Oh. And in the replay, you couldn't really tell if he was across. And they got barely into the end zone on the next play, and they said he didn't do it. They didn't challenge it for some reason. And they run into the end zone on third down, and they called an offensive offsides on it for the way the guard was aligned, oh, which man. was really ticky-tack. It was close. And, um, yeah, they did that uh, and backed up five yards and then had to kick a field goal, which they were losing 21-3, to and you're now at the six-yard line because of the penalty, and it's fourth and goal. I don't know why you're kicking a field goal in that situation, or 21-3 to or 28-3. to The field goal doesn't help you there. Right. Just, you know, you, yeah. you got to go for the touchdown. Um, That's crazy. But so that That's there was crazy. that. And but then the game today was just the, just, the, the phantom know, defensive holding. And, it's the incompetence. To me, it's the incompetence. Like, yeah, I just they're so incompetent. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're looking at. They, you know, sometimes they call plays and sometimes they don't. The the, you know, offensive uh, face mask against Demar Douglas. I mean, I guess he touched his face mask, but like, now they the they showed a replay on it, and he did he did hook it. So I think it was right. the right call. I just never never see that, and I think it was incidental. It's just awful luck to have it happen. Man, Mike, when Mike Reese is tweeting about how the how the officials are bad, you know it's bad because Mike Reese doesn't go there, never. right? Yeah. And, and like for that, him to but, say like the refs were seven or something like that, I was like, whoa, that's <laughs> he's, he's what, pissed about it. In the, the, and the whole thing on like Connor McDermott that took back the touchdown was the right call. The problem was that the Chiefs also didn't and didn't get did they didn't get flagged for it. So you know you just want that consistency and you know it's quite frankly right. I don't think anybody in the NFL is competent enough for this to be any kind of conspiracy or anything. I think this is a very hard sport to officiate and we all on TV get a much better look at what's going on than the people on the field, which makes it uh, puts the, puts the officials in a tough position, but. I think you got to get, we got to find a way to get more consistency out of this thing. And yeah. Look at, I don't know if you watch the Buffalo Dallas game with the Josh Allen roughing the passer. Josh Allen's just, he's just, see, the problem is, is that the NFL is now become similar to the NBA where if you flop, you'll get the call. And, and listen, in fairness, guys have been flopping for a while now. Brady used to guys flop have flopped a bit. as you, you, you flopped as long as it's effective and gets the calls. I don't right. blame the players for doing it. Yeah, but, but you, you can't you, just, you can't fall for the flop, man. Especially when it's Josh. Josh Allen. Allen's huge. Like, come he, on. He has he has a reputation for this too. And yeah. I think it was um, oh my god, I'm totally oh Doug uh, Doug Farrar had tweeted something about how you know Cam Newton watching Josh Allen getting all these calls, wondering where these whistles were when right. it was him out there. You know, it's, yeah. 
and and Allen is a, a big body tough quarterback um and he takes a lot of hits and he deserves some of the flags and because of that why are you asking for like extra flags when a guy barely touches you and you're going out there like a fish like yeah, and why are you falling for that if you're an official the dude has a reputation about this and i'm sure you've received calls from teams saying hey this isn't a penalty you can't call this Right. Uh, the fact that officials are still falling for it is just ridiculous at this point. Yeah, no, it's it's bad, and the officiating just and unfortunately it's been like that. It's been like that all year. It's really been like that for the last two years. It's just like, man, what are you doing? You know, like so. But unfortunately, I, I, I every still, team deals with it. It's you know it doesn't make it any better or easier to deal with. But every team deals with it, unfortunately, and you know we can just kind of yeah. have to go from there. You know. I still think the officiating as a whole would be better. If you got just like a a forty five year old guy to sit in a control room with a couple beers, watch the games, and he has the power to overrule any call. I mean, if it, it doesn't just, make sense to him, or something is clear and obvious to him, then yeah, the NHL right. does it. <laughs> like the NHL does it. Yeah, they got yeah. Why aren't we doing it in the NV, in the NFL? The, to be, doesn't to be fair, sense. the NHL also still, despite that, has. Insane inconsistencies with it, despite the same people but, looking but at, at every least, call. At least, you know you're you're looking at and, and look. You have to be able to challenge. In my opinion, you got to be able to challenge those things. You have to, because yeah, if, if it's going to be that bad and that inconsistent, you're going to have to be able to challenge them. And that, I also think another part of this is we should have some kind of timer in the review process, because. You know, how many times do you watch a game on TV and they show you two replays and you know what the call is and right. the, the break continues for another two and a half minutes. And right. it's like, all right, come on. It didn't doesn't take that long to figure it out. And if it takes that long to figure it out, it's probably not clear and obvious. So right. shouldn't be touching the call. Like, let's just let's move it along here. Uh, I've also, also the older I've gotten, the more I've come around on like, I don't need every call to be correct. I just need every call to be like, every call should be reasonable and timely. So we can get on with it. And I can accept yeah. some missed calls some of the time because that's just going to happen and it's probably going to even out. But let's make sure we get the easy ones right and we get the easy ones right quickly so we can move along with the product and enjoy the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but we'll see. I don't know, man. It's just, I don't know what the solution is, but it's not whatever the hell they're doing right now. So, by the way, Space Cadet says, a, uh, trade for Justin Fields and take Marvin Harrison at two. Man, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. We've talked about Fields a little bit on here. I loved Fields coming out. I wanted them to draft him in 2021. When they when they traded, when the Bears traded up, when there was a trade up to 10, I was like, this is it. Yes. And then they blew it. And I was like, God damn it. It was the freaking Bears that traded up, not the Patriots. Right? And so... You know, I, I, it's a situation where I think Fields has shown flashes, but never enough. I question whether Bill O'Brien, if you get a guy that's a running quarterback like that, I question whether Bill O'Brien is the guy. I yeah, question whether question Bill O'Brien's the guy to do that, right? And so, yeah. So that's so then that becomes a problem uh-huh. where it's like, well, if you if you Bill O'Brien drafts the coordinator, you got to draft a guy that fits your offensive coordinator, or do you need to go into the 21st century and have a guy that will open up the playbook to guys that will run more and so on and so forth? And so I, you know, yeah. And it's, and you know, you look at even Drake may as a guy who's very good with his feet and can run. Uh, And I don't trust Bill O'Brien to really harness that the way you're going to get from maybe some, somebody else 
doesn't even have to be somebody younger. QB runs have existed for a while. It's just got to be somebody else who knows how to, to capitalize on that. My only issue with the Fields thing is that you're only getting him for a year or two years if you pick up the option on him, but it's a short window. Yeah. And you kind of have to hit on it right away. Like you don't get development time with him. It either it's basically it either works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, you're right back where you were right away. Um, but I think that's okay. Like if you I, I, if you like his film enough and you feel like he can play, which by the way, I mean he played today. He played awesome today, and his team let him down, man. He hit guys yeah. on wide open passes that just kept dropping him, and it's like, dude, what are we doing, man? Like that Tyler Scott drop uh, on the the, f- the first play, second play, the last drive was right. crazy. Well, and then the uh, was it Cole Komet on the long pass? Who the hell was the was the tight end on the long pass that dropped it? And you're like, what the oh, hell was that? Yeah, I know man. who you're talking about. Yeah, you know, it's a gorgeous throw, and then even the last play, for God's sakes, he throws yeah. the hail man right and, and Mooney drops yeah. it in his hands. It's like you gotta be kidding me, dude. They said Fields yeah, is the first, the first player in the same game to get intercepted on the last play of the of the first half and the last play of the game. He got picked yeah. off on his hail mary attempt in the in the first half, and he got picked off on his hail mary attempt in the second half. It's unbelievable. See, I just like I liked Fields coming out a lot, and that's why I wanted New England to draft, and I thought he might fall to to where the Patriots were. Um, I just I like getting the runway in the the multiple years. That's yeah. my only issue with it. I totally, um, and I it's totally like, agree. And I'd rather, especially if, like, if it's a new coaching staff or whatever, and we're resetting, let's just go with a fresh guy. And it might not work, yeah. but if you get three years to mold a quarterback who's young, I'll take that over a guy who has already been, you know, attempted to be molded by a bunch of people. And well, I think, uh, the, I think the Fields, biggest question. No, go ahead. Good. I'm sorry. I mean, I think he might be something, and you you've seen more. I think you've seen more from him lately than you've seen from Mac Jones in the NFL. You know, he's got the great running ability and everything, but I think when we, when we've been talking about the rebuild, we're also talking about not how we make this team great in 2024, but how do we build it so it can be great in 2025 and 2026, which is a great point. And fields makes it tougher because you have to pay him right away. And if you need, wide receivers or you know you need to add free agents so you got to pay christian barmore you got to pay christian gonzalez eventually and the other guys are going to have to pay it just now you're in a salary cap issue possibly all of a sudden and um yeah i just i'm not against it but i feel like fields to atlanta is a more natural fit i agree with you i agree with you so by the way i, I apologize to the listeners out there i completely blew it didn't have a uh I didn't have a song lined up for today. Taylor Swift is at the game today. Should have had a freaking Taylor Swift song ready to go, and I and yeah. I completely blew it. And I apologize. You know what I apologize to the listeners out there. I, I I blew that. You know what I absolutely love about Taylor Swift at the game. By the way, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give two things. Okay. One, I'll start. I'll start with the sweet thing, which is that apparently she went to all like the hospitality workers and everything, and she was like just tipping them with hundred dollar bills, and. We only know that because they took pictures of it. She did no promo of this on her own. Yeah. So, and by all accounts that she's been very good about that. So huge props to her for doing that. The second, for as annoying as it was when Travis Kelsey flopped in the end zone on that play, <laughs> the replay of Taylor Swift losing her mind at it and oh, calling dude. for a flag is so relatable that yeah. it's like, all right, she is, she's in, she's one of yeah. us now. Like that's yeah. 
how how long is it gonna or maybe she has like an alt account on twitter or somewhere where she's you know, getting into it with I love it so steven much. ruiz or something about you know different formations or getting right. into it with i don't know chiefs writers about stuff like that she seems very invested in that and it seems very authentic and it's fun so yeah. i um uh, i i enjoyed that and it, you know i like taylor swift i did have to root against her today but now that the game's over i can go back to liking her right that's the way it goes yeah. <laughs> exactly so um so anyway so we'll see look there's a long way to go um three games left and then the rebuild starts right and i think that that's going to be by the way the ravens have the worst the worst injury luck of all time dude keaton mitchell's looks so good this year as an undrafted rookie uh running back looks like he just tore his acl ronnie stanley's coming some people saying the injury was bad but i hadn't seen a clip yeah i haven't i didn't see the clip but he got he was the one getting carted off so uh, but i didn't see the clip um but yeah you know yeah, so that's uh, on her show, right? She gave tons and tons of bonuses. I mean, they and they I mean, yeah. listen. It was a you know she made a ridiculous amount of money from the tour, but still, you know, it, yeah. It's, team six and seven said fifty five million dollars in bonuses to her staff, everybody across it working on her Eras tour. So um, awesome stuff there. Like that's yeah. just you know taking care of people. I also old man mob had commented this a while ago, but I'm bringing it back up. Uh, he said, I've been doing mock drafts. would be awesome if Matt and Pat did a stream showing and rating mock drafts. I think we're going to have a show Wednesday night will be our next one. So if you got, if yeah. anybody has mock drafts, wants to send them in for us to talk about, send them to one of us, you know, on Twitter or um, you know, where we're, where we we're do doing have, that. We do have a guest coming on Wednesday night, so I'm not sure if we're going to do that Wednesday night. Um, oh, but we might. Okay, so maybe the Wednesday after. I got to check. I got to check with our guest to see if, um, see if she wants to come on for like half the show or the whole show. I'm not sure what she's going on to do. So yeah. if she only comes on for half the show, then I'm in for that. If she comes on for the whole yeah. show, that just depends on, on uh, yeah. kind of what yeah. she wants. And we'll you go know, if you, if you got, if you guys do mock drafts, send them to us, we'll get to them at some point. I mean, you know, the way yeah. these games are going, right. we could do, we oh, could yeah. do some with the post game. <laughs> it's Absolutely. reaction shows too. Absolutely. Doing on a, we're doing for the Broncos game. We're doing our show night of christmas we're gonna do it the day after the game so i think so the only thing is that um i was looking at the schedule it's gonna be weird we're definitely not doing a christmas eve because obviously christmas eve is christmas eve i'm not doing a podcast 11 30 on christmas eve santa claus is coming and like hello i gotta be in bed so santa yeah. can come um exactly. so you know we're not doing that i'm thinking the next night but then i think i don't know if i'm i don't know if i'm around wednesday night uh, oh, I guess maybe I'm around Wednesday night. I'm not around Thursday night. I might be around Wednesday night. I, I got to figure out. I just figured I didn't know if it would made sense to go Wednesday, to go Monday and Tuesday night. But whatever, doesn't matter. I think I think that's the plan right now is to go is to go like around this time, nine thirty on Monday night, the night of Christmas Day, because it's Christmas Day. Everything's over, and you know now you can come listen. And to a- after your Christmas dinner, you can settle in and exactly. Listen to our podcast. You know, maybe you got a nice new pair of headphones you can listen to us right. on, or See, a new laptop, it. and you can yeah, watch the show. A new great. phone where you can make sure you're subscribed to the feed. Love it. I love it. That'd be fun. So, but yes, that's what we got. So, so that'll be this week. This week we are Wednesday night uh, again. We do have a special guest coming on, uh, which will be fun. And then uh, we'll be with you, like Matt said, not Christmas Eve night after the Broncos game, but um, soon after like the next night. So probably the Monday night and then either be Tuesday yeah. or Wednesday night that we'll go uh, for, um, for our show that, that week. And of course, you know, then I think, do they play on new year's Eve? 
Yes. Yeah, they do. And so we talked about that already. We're going to go right after the show. So that's fine because they're, yeah, they're gonna, on the road. They're we, in Buffalo anyway. We, so. we know everybody's got their, uh, what do you call it? Got their, their New Year's Eve plans. So we want to get in and out with that show before yes, everybody early. starts. The, nice uh, and early. Exactly. Starts, you know, with that game, I think people are going to be starting the drinking early that day anyway. <sighs> I would say so, yeah, probably. Especially with the Bills. But I'll tell you what, though. I'm rooting so hard. For the for the three or four teams in front of the Bills, so hard. I just want that's all I want to have the Bills. I think the they're winning the AFC East. I think they're I think they win next week. I think they beat the Pats, and then they're gonna go to Miami and they're gonna beat them to win the AFC East. If Miami win wins, Miami. but here's the thing if Miami wins next week, they win. Miami's gonna have to lose out in order for that to happen. No, I don't think. They have ten if wins. They, I think they have they have 10 wins. I got to double check this. Well, they you know who their next two games and, are? And I, I mean, they have two tough games, but I'm just saying, in order for that to happen, Miami would have to lose out. You know what I mean? Hold on. Let me. Miami has 10 wins and Buffalo has eight. Yeah, no, then the, all they have to do is lose one. Um, lose well, one in and, there. I guess because, and lose, and, and lose because they team. lose. When the Bills beat the Dolphins, Correct. yeah, right. So as long right. as my if if the Bills win the next two games, which they're easier games for them, and the Dolphins lose to either the Cowboys or the Ravens, then, well, then they have to. Then, right, then week eighteen then becomes we, a must win. Yeah, that becomes for the AFC East, and right. I right. suspect that would be the Sunday night game in week eighteen too, which would be a lot of fun. Like, that'd be a really fun game to I watch just, in a fun situation. I know, but I, and I I want it to be the Sunday. Here's what here's here's the thing for me. I want it to be the Sunday night game, and then I want the Bills to lose. I just—it's all I want. It would be that would so be funny. Glorious. There, it'd there's be a glorious. there's a situ- there's a situation there too where if that's if the Bills win, they win the AFC East and they're the three seed, and right. if they lose, they miss the playoffs. They miss the playoffs, and right? That is, and it's not that crazy to get them to that circumstance no. either, which no. I think would be um, that'd be a crazy one. Because yeah. the way they're playing, if they the way they played today, if they play like that every single day, it's a game. I'd say they're the favorite to come they're out of the everyone. AFC. Yeah, they're gonna beat everyone. But, be, we're gonna know. get like a Bills Niners Super Bowl. But they haven't played like that Ooh. all year long. Yeah, we got we got Gregory Brown in the chat here. I'm gonna highlight this because I love this guy. Pat should sign oh, Justin Matabuke from the Ravens. Mm-hmm. So in on Give this. Give me all so the Ravens defenders, all of them. I want all the you can make, defenders. A, de- make a defensive defense. line out of just ex Dolphins and Ravens guys, and 100%. I could be very happy with that. Hundred percent. By the way, Dakota asked about about uh, Mahomes. Mahomes played well today. One of the interceptions well. again was was wrestled away from Blake Bell, uh, hit him in the hands, and Mapu just stole from him. And the other one was Kadarius Tony just hit him in the hands Fumbling and dropped it. <laughs> and Devai picked it up. Yeah, so Which, by oh, the way, Devai Devai with an all-time, like, what the hell were you doing when he tried <laughs> to pitch it back? Thank God it went out of bounds. But I love that. Um, and and you know what? I think that, too, that was the Patriots had a fourth and three in their own territory and decided to punt it instead of yeah, going for it. They and did. then immediately got the pick. And it was like, I – the way the offense is played and the way the defense is played, the Patriots scored 17 points, 10 of them were off turnovers. Right. I think there was, it's not that crazy of an argument to say the Patriots are more likely to set up a score when the defense is on the field than when the offense is on the field. So right. I don't, I really, most of the time, I hate the strategy of punting and I want to be aggressive. But with this group, well, I guess, I mean, listen, they asked Belichick about it after the game and he said, look, the offense isn't that good right now. They're not talented. We don't, I don't know. I didn't trust that we could get that 
fourth and three, which yeah. is pretty telling to me. But like, I don't blame. Which, but then, and then of course, people are complaining about that. I'm like, dude, we, he's telling the truth. They're not that good right now on offense. Nothing Have wrong. You seen the offense? Like, it's yeah. just you know. And that's, and I think that's one of the things that makes the, the conversation with um, with Robert Kraft so interesting out of this. Yeah. Because for the for a, a big part, not the entirety, but a big part of why the offense is as bad as it is, is because you've gotten bottom three quarterback play in the NFL yeah. all season long. But and again, again, it some comes of that's back because to... well, Bill Bill drafted the guys, but right. even guys who were good at this miss on quarterbacks. Like it, mm-hmm. it happens. Uh, you know, look at the Niners. We they we everybody praises their team building, and they took a bigger swing than the Patriots. They missed on a quarterback in the same draft, and you know they obviously got a little bit lucky and found ways around that. But guys who were good at this miss on the quarterback position, and 100%. that's okay. And I think, and if I think if Bill were to go to Kraft and say, "Hey, you can see the team out there is competitive, except for whoever we got back there. If you give me one more shot to get the guy back there, and there's good guys in this draft, we're going to have a good team." I don't think that's. I think that's a reasonably compelling. You're not wrong. The difference is that San Fran's good everywhere else. They have oh, unbelievable yeah. weapons. They drafted two really good wide receivers. They drafted a really good tight end. You know, they drafted yeah. an awesome defense. Like they did all of those. They, they things. got a, They got a left tackle named Trent. They drafted a wide receiver from Arizona State in the first round, like <laughs> second round. But they. But that's. Not but to true. me, that's one of those things for me that I just like. I'm looking at. Peace out, man. Thank you for coming. Thanks for coming through. But, um, you know, I just – it becomes hard to justify when it's like we've made all these moves and none of them have worked out. None of them. Not one of them has worked out. Yes, you're missing the quarterback, but, like, Pop none Douglas. of the other moves have worked out. You know, Pop Douglas well, is fine. Six-round well, draft pick this year, but, like, well, that's it. Well, it's it's tough because you could argue offensively the two best guys they've taken in the last couple of years are City So and Pop Douglas – who are their, the guys they just took this year. So if you're Bill Belichick, I feel like you could definitely go in there and say, hey, I nailed the first round pick until he got hurt for the year. And I drafted the two best offensive players I have in years. And we're in position to draft the franchise quarterback. If your argument, I, let me tell you something. If your argument to Robert Kraft is that I drafted a sixth round wide receiver who's pretty good in the slot and a fourth round guy who I thought was going to play tackle but is playing guard for me, He's getting laughed out of the office. Like laughed. Hey, and you're not wrong, but he's getting laughed out of the office. I mean, Julian Edelman. I'm not saying that Demario Douglas is that no, guy, but I, listen, you're not wrong. All those things are true. But again, it's like you're right, but man, I mean, I just I don't know. Yeah. It's you a, just can't, well, it's, it, you can't make that weird, argument. You know? And it, it's a weird spot too, because you're you're trying to argue about the underlying processes here and what has worked. That's how uh, the, the results in the field mean you get rid of Bill Belichick. If he wants to stay, he has to argue that the processes are sound and there's right. other reasons for why. But it's also tough because the process in 2021 was one thing and it didn't really work. And it worked in some ways, but not in all of them. And then the process in 2022 was different and it didn't work. And now they've got a new process in 2023 that also hasn't worked, but for different reasons. And they've gotten some hits out of it. And, right. um, you know, you've had three different processes with three different offensive coordinators. And uh, Matt Groh has come in in this span. And then Bill O'Brien just got brought in. And, and you've got the Kraft stepping in and asking them to make changes this year. And I think if you're Belichick and you say, hey, you at your goal 
was for me to fix this this year. And I drafted a wide receiver that can play and got a, a signed a wide receiver from the Super Bowl champs and drafted a guard who has been a very strong player for us, which also fixed our tackle issue. And the problem was from the drafts before, which we both already agreed were an issue, then he, he could say, hey, you got to let me see this process out if you're asking for me to change it. Because the other thing is, if Mac Jones Mac Jones was never going to be good, it didn't matter what Bill Belichick did in this draft, this team wasn't going to be good, and there was no way he was going to be here next year. Right. Look, and if Kraft says you're gone with all that, I think that's reasonable. But <laughs> all, all of those things are not necessarily false. But again, you're talking about and and Darko Gold says it. I think I think perfectly. The marginal draft gains can't make up for the huge upfront misses. They have whiffed over and 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 over. For the last probably 10 years, they've whiffed. And like that's – at some point, you just can't sit there and say, well, you know, I drafted this guy and I did this and I drafted this guy. and Well, if you wanted to fix the offense, I mean, you know, number one, right away. Okay, you wanted to fix the offense? Great. You drafted – Defense, 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 the first three rounds. What the hell are we doing? Yeah. Now you're saying you, you've yeah. wanted to fix the offense? You drafted all three defensive players. And, and again, yeah. I think Christian Gonzalez is a very good player, obviously. And I think Keon White shown that he, he can play and that Marte Mapu can maybe will be able to play eventually. But, like, you lose the credibility by saying things like that, right? And that's – and yeah. that, again, it's a hey, tough. I drafted a wide receiver in the sixth round and he, and he hit. Great. But like, are we really trusting that we're going to hit on a, a six round wide receiver every year? Like, it's just not, it's not feasible. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and those I, are the things so... that you know. That's where I look at it and say, man, you know, you all... just, you know, I don't know. It's all fair too. Like, I don't. I think that's what makes this difficult, um, or at least more complicated than in other situations. Because usually, when a guy flames out, it's like, man, he didn't draft anybody good, and the team hates him, and he needs to go. And it's not quite that simple here. Uh, and the guy has a right. long enough track record of success that I think you can at least somewhat credibly make an argument that it's due more to bad luck and a couple bad apples than anything other than that. Uh, right. I don't know if I buy that and I don't know if Kraft will buy that, but I don't think it's a crazy argument. I think it's a rational one. And you know, it's going to be Kraft's call. We heard the Rappaport report that they're going to take their time with this and that I feel like means one of two things that either means they feel like the next guy would be Mayo and they're not worried about him leaving. So they're going to have conversations internally and figure out if it's going to be Bill or Mayo next year, or it means they're saying, Hey, we don't know about this guy because they want somebody to trade for him. <laughs> yeah. Nah, it's, you know, yeah, I don't know, man, stuff. So anyways, I'm going to leave you on one last thing. I'm going to leave you on one last thing. Everyone out there needs to remember that Ted Johnson accused Bill Belichick of forcing him to play with a concussion. So when you listen to him talk about Bill Belichick and about what the Patriots are doing, do not listen to one word that man says. Not one. Don't listen to one, period. End of story, end of discussion. Don't listen to one word. Okay? So let's just leave it at that. I'm not going to even discuss what he said. I'm not going to discuss the comment. I, I didn't even know he said one something. Word. So. He just, it's, it's, a, it's, it's nonstop. It it's, it's constant. It's consistent. It just is what it is. And, you know, so don't listen to one word. That's the way it goes.
But yeah. anyways, all right, let's get out of here. Um, we'll be back Wednesday night again, special guest, um, new, new guest, a new, new, uh, new person on the scene, I think. And so I'm excited to have her on. So it'll be fun. But, yeah, uh, probably Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday here. We're looking at the schedule. Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday. Yes, for, it seems that for way. Anybody, for anybody who doesn't come on Wednesday, enjoy your enjoy your Christmas. Yes. Enjoy any holidays you're celebrating this time of year. And enjoy your time with your family. And hopefully you can find a way to enjoy the Patriots-Broncos game on Sunday night. Let's hope so. It should be a fun game. I the think Broncos it'll be fun. are, are, I don't are it'll entertaining be, uh, team, I think. Fun, fun and entertaining may not be the right words, but... Yeah. Close might be the way to describe this game. There you go. See, look at that. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks again, and we will uh, we will talk to you on uh, Wednesday.